Exactly. And I think that's one of the really neat things about seeing a show at the Black Box. Um, some of the shows are actually uh, written and built for a very tiny space. Mm -hmm. but, um, with the larger musicals, we have to reinvent them and bring a show that was actually conceived and, and built for a big proscenium stage and rethink it and bring it into um, a very small and intimate space. But for the audience, it brings them into the story, mm -hmm. I think, in a much more significant way. Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, in the studio today for a change. This is good. I love it. And we're here with Ray Lynn Mercer. And Ray Lynn, there are multiple titles I could give to you. Which one do you really want to start with? Well, maybe we should talk about the Franklin School for the Performing Arts first, which would make me a founder and director when I'm wearing that hat. That is a great place to start. Okay. <laughs> A great place to start. So for somebody who perhaps doesn't know and, you know, may have crawled up under, out of from under the rock or realistically just come into Franklin, give a little bit of background as to who Raylan Mercer is, and then we'll get into the school and the other world that you're kind of in the center of. Sure. There certainly was a time when those of us who lived in Franklin knew everybody else when I was a kid since right. I'm a... I call myself a lifer here sure. in Franklin. Um, grew up here, and uh, after going off to college, came back to Franklin. Um, as a lifelong Franklin resident, I was someone who went through the Franklin Public Schools and um, off to a liberal arts program at Middlebury College in Vermont, and discovered at that point that music was uh, one of the most important things to me, um, and I ended up majoring in music um, at, at Middlebury. And I went to a um, program in Vienna and studied at the Vienna International Music Center and studied piano there, had a wonderfully influential teacher while I was there, and came home to finish my um, senior recital and graduate um, from with a music degree. I came back to Franklin and started teaching and I always knew that that teaching was something that I was good at. I, I as my part-time job I mm -hmm. uh, taught piano lessons. I um, have been a, involved in horses my whole life so I taught riding lessons and I felt that that type of communication was something that was always a strength for me. So I began teaching, um, came back to Franklin and, and taught uh, piano and very quickly had a pretty large studio here. And then I began getting involved at uh, Franklin High School by directing the Oski show, which many of us know about and still exists. I've heard of, and yes, yes. it does come around every year, it I does. believe. It does, since 1935, as a matter of fact, for those of us in the know. Um, and I started choreographing and directing the what was then the Franklin Junior Miss program, um, and continued to grow my, my studio. And I had a crazy idea one day, and uh, it was to perhaps open a place where all the disciplines of the arts could come together. And I was shortly out of college. Um, it was a relatively low-risk scenario mm -hmm. for me um, at that time. I love to say that I, I had a car and a golden retriever, and that's, that's 
what the what those the are your are. other financial commitments, financial <laughs> and net enablers um, as well. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, um, I I think I have an entrepreneurial spirit that is undeniable and something that I can't seem to shut down mm-hmm. um, to this day, and it was what uh, drove me to uh, give a try. Um, to opening a school for the performing arts. And I believe, I think entrepreneurs all have a sense um, of following their gut, and uh, I have always had a sense of things that are meant to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I had this idea, suddenly I looked up on Main Street in downtown Franklin and saw a sign for lease at 38 Main Street and uh, went up the creaky stairs at 38 Main. <laughs> And the door opened, and there was a space that had been vacant for many years. Right. And it was a mess, but it looked very beautiful to me. And uh-huh. it, was, it was a wide-open space. At the time, I had anticipated trying to find one large studio, one small studio, and give my concept a try. Well, right. you know, try to teach sure. some dance, try to teach some acting classes, and, and my piano students that I was taking along with me. And I was able to negotiate a lease for the full second floor, 5,000 square feet, which was massive. Mm-hmm. And um, off we went. And I, I got the help of every friend and family member. Miraculous. It takes still. a village. It took a village for sure. And we painted and cleaned and had a black tie gala six weeks later and opened in the in September of 1985. And truly the school, now going into our 38th season at 38 Main Street. 38, um, 38, that's at, a good number. Yeah, a good number <laughs> uh, that we're celebrating this year. But it, um, a lot of things remain quite the same. The idea of having music, dance, and drama in one location um, remains the same. We have a f- wonderful faculty of uh, Boston-based people, although it's kind of fun to see how many people have relocated to Franklin or surrounding mm-hmm. towns because they work at the school. That's kind sure. of exciting. Right. And we have some ancillary business that's developed around it, uh, most recently Intermission, which is the cafe on the back of the school. Um, through the years, we were able to gain more space gradually. Um, we, we took the bottom floor in thirds over the course of 20 years. The, the growth. It was a slow growth, which was lovely. Organic and that, growth, exactly. more or less. It yes. organic and manageable because yes. it came on um, one piece at a time. But now it's lovely to have the whole Cataldo block, or what used to be known as the Cataldo block, um, because it feels feels more like a, a an institution, and mm-hmm. we have ourselves a, a little campus. Well, and you are really an institution, because while it is Franklin School for Performing Arts, your programs have really expanded as well. So you have virtual offerings as well as regular school offerings and additional kind of outside school offerings. So you provide more to, if somebody wants to go, and I think there's high school students who still come in to participate in other programs related to that. Sure. Yeah, we we did. And, and certainly before we were all forced into virtual activities, um, we had opened um, FSPA Academy, which is uh, a class, two classrooms next door in the, in the next building, 32 Main Street, where we have learning coaches and uh, students from grades 5 through 12 
who um, are studying with TECA, which is one of the public school programs mm-hmm. in Massachusetts. Right. But we have it's a hybrid, so that they it's not homeschooling because they're in a classroom right. with a learning coach yep. that's helping them. But their actual curriculum is online. So we have a small group of students, but nonetheless, uh, an academic program that has been happening for the last, I guess we're on seven years now. Mm-hmm. And then primary to our um, activity at FSPA is the extracurricular sure. um, component. Where right. Af- three o'clock in the afternoon, the place is rocking and rolling. Yes. With students yeah. of all ages and um, from different towns. Right. And then from that base... Aside from intermission, um, that's where the rest of kind of the, the world grew from um, and was FPAC the next iteration in terms of the Franklin Performing Arts Company? Yes. So after, shortly after the school opened, we as a faculty um, were starting to look into staging shows and, and doing mm-hmm. productions. And for most of us, the idea of doing um, student productions wasn't the only goal. So I think we began to think about, well, you know, if we wanted to do something beyond um, the student-level shows, what would that look like? And in 1991, we organized the nonprofit organization Franklin Performing Arts Company. And so we began with the Nutcracker, and the concept um, for that was that we would bring in professionals, professional musicians and conductor and guest artists and professional choreography, um, but also involve young people mm-hmm. in, in that uh, endeavor. So that's how FPAC began. We began um, adding one musical with a holiday show. Um, we, we like to look back on those days when we only had <laughs> <laughs> two productions with the Franklin Performing Arts Company, but um, now it's quite something else, as, as you know. You have a holiday season, we really. We have a holiday season now <laughs> to go along with the rest of it. But um, the Franklin Performing Arts Company developed to the point where we thought, you know, there were a number of, of patrons and and people involved in the programs that felt we needed a space. We performed our shows everywhere, in the public school auditorium, in uh, Elverett Dean, and some of their spaces, the old old church in Dean Hall, the multi-purpose room. We were at Franklin Country Club, at Old Pippinell's Restaurant. Um, FPAC has seen Mm. most of the open spaces in this community. Right. Um, And as far back as 2001, we did a feasibility study that determined what we all as townspeople know, that Franklin is has an idyllic location. Here we Correct. are, centrally located between Providence, Boston, and, Wor- Boston and Worcester. Mm-hmm. And the consultants we had on that feasibility study um, were from San Antonio, um, Toronto, and Chicago. Mm-hmm. And they came to Franklin and said, this is a great place for... Right. A performing arts center. Sure. It took us a long time and many iterations of a plan and what that would look like. It started with the idea of 
a downtown location. We looked at the old Zeotrope Theater, right? Which ultimately the stage house for it was so small. Yeah. Uh, my dad tap danced on that stage <laughs> years and years ago, decades and decades ago. Um, but it wasn't going to be suited well enough to, right. and that's part of what the feasibility study did for us. Sure, it helped us. Um, Gave you a frame of reference yep. for what you really needed to begin with, and then still grow with as exactly, well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And for a while, the project moved to the to uh, contemplating a green space near 495, and ultimately, the um, economy. Things changed. Things changed. Things evolve along the way. Exactly, they did. And suddenly, uh, a building right in our our backyard. Uh, became an option, mm-hmm. and we were able to get a grant to match funds that we had already raised to um, renovate the building at 15 West Central Street. So while the Franklin Performing Arts Company actually um, was, you know, inaugurated in 1991, and we've been producing shows every year mm-hmm. since then since, with yeah. the company, in 2014 we actually found a home. So yep. it was a long trip right. until we arrived at our space. But uh, now FPAC has its own home, and um, we've had a couple conversations about how during the pandemic there was enough downtime so that I, entrepreneurial me, needed to figure out something else. <laughs> and um, I managed to have a conversation with someone at Actors Equity in New York, which is the union for um, professional actors. Mm-hmm. And uh found that they had a platform that we might be able to step onto that allows FPAC now to be a small professional theater. And we are actually the only uh, professional theater in Metro West. It's a very exciting step for us. And we've now produced one full season, and we're into our second season on that uh, agreement with Actors' Equity. Mm -hmm. uh, With that, we bring this year at least two equity contracts onto every production that we do and that um, rather than just the Nutcracker and one musical that schedule currently is three full book musicals two plays and a holiday season yes and for those hopefully have seen and there was a mailer as well so you announced your full season so it's fully known Mm -hmm. it's available tickets obviously for each individual show will be available closer to the show but You also have a season ticket option, which I think you just introduced. We did. And uh, that's, that's exciting for us, too, because we're certainly um, at this point out to garner the support of the community. Because uh, something like the Black Box, which is our, our home, our theater, one doesn't exist in every town. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that. It's because it's sure. really difficult to make it all happen. Well, it's, it's, it is. It's yeah. difficult. And so while we have an awesome um, army of volunteers that primarily operate Franklin Performing Arts Company, we also need um, uh, our patrons to show up in force mm-hmm. to support the by being there. And we're out in uh, the community talking to businesses about sponsorships and how, how people might um, otherwise help by advertising or... Um, becoming patrons or volunteers. Mm-hmm. And spreading the word, participating, exactly. and uh, enabling the continued organic growth. Right, right. Yeah. And at, at the Black Box, we need people who are curious about what goes on in that black building to mm-hmm. come in and find out. Yeah, 
Yeah, and it's a black box. And while it's your primary performing space because of the size of the show, Nutcracker in particular, you do still do that at the high school because exactly. it's a better auditorium, larger size, et cetera, right. et cetera. So Franklin High School, um, beautiful Franklin High School, has a lovely theater, mm-hmm. and um, that is home base for the holiday shows, both the Nutcracker with a 29-piece orchestra and a cast of more than 100, and we alternate Tis the Season and Humbug as our two musical holiday shows, and those also have a a bigger um, footprint for the show itself Mm -hmm. and a large cast and live orchestra. And for those who haven't been in the auditorium, the auditorium, if I recall correctly, seats about 800, 800. whereas the black box is, what, max is that? 200, depending upon how you configure it? When we need the stage space, um, and, and, you know, typically while we're talking about a a black box typically is um, a smaller space than than ours. Um, But what what keeps it identified as a black box is is that it's flexible. It is. So it's fun when people come in. Every time they come in, they might hear James Montgomery, and it's set up like a club Mm -hmm. um, with the bar in the lobby, and and it's lit just like a nightclub. But two weeks later, we're ready for a theatrical production, and it's set up differently. So back to your question, for for theater, we seat somewhere between 120, and we can get all the way to 175, as we will for the upcoming Sound of Music, because the seating will be set... um, differently. More of a stadium, uh, orchestra-type seating. Yeah, actually, that's a little bit less. We're going with the way we did Mary Poppins, which puts the stage as a runway all the way down oh, the middle. Oh, so down the middle. And so the now you've got the sides, sides to do that. Exactly. Yep, yep. Which brings the audience into the show, brings mm-hmm. the show into the audience, all of that goodness. Exactly. And I think that's one of the really neat things about seeing a show at the Black Box. Um, Some of the shows are actually uh, written and built for a very tiny space. Mm -hmm. um, With the larger musicals, we have to reinvent them and bring a show that was actually conceived and and built for a big proscenium stage and rethink it and bring it into a very small and intimate space. But for the audience, it brings them into the story, mm-hmm. I think, in a much more significant way. So a show like uh, The Sound of Music suddenly will become about those characters and about those relationships and about the beautiful story that it mm-hmm. tells rather than a panoramic view of scenery that you the might hills get. are alive that, that you may have remembered from having seen it before. But when you step in, you know the story, but now it's being presented in a way that's familiar and yet Different. <laughs> and yet different. And yet different. And it, um, I, I have enjoyed some of the um, reactions we ha- of professionals who either do shows here or come in to see them. We had um, Nikki Snelson, who uh, was in the original cast of Legally Blonde. Um, she played Brooke Wyndham on Broadway and in the movie that everybody enjoys um, watching. And she came to teach a master class and see our production of mm-hmm. Lily Blonde. And she'd never seen it in that tight, format. small format yeah. setting. And she was really, she really enjoyed it and said to me things like, I, I never really heard that line before. Or I really 
never thought of mm-hmm. that take on that that character has sure. on that part. So that yeah. was that was fun, and I think that's what is um, unusual and unique about some of the the musicals that we're doing. At mm-hmm. our, at our kind of the value add that you're bringing to the performing arts by both centering here in Franklin Metro West with the equity and performers, et cetera, but akin to I grew up in Rhode Island, I'm familiar with Trinity Rep. They do things, I mean, you, you, you'll you hear of a Shakespeare play, but when you go there, it's Shakespeare, but it's not. <laughs> it, they always have some twist, some Trinity spin to right. it. And that, if, I think, is what you're trying to do, something similar to, like, it, here. It would be lovely to emulate it. <laughs> Trinity's a great company. Absolutely. And you could do that here in Franklin, which is close and near and dear to those of us who live here. That's and, right. And we're certainly trying to attract more and more. And we've certainly had a relationship over a number of years. I don't want to count. But going back to the early cultural festivals when we were putting them together at uh, 15, 16, 17, mm-hmm. which then led to the application to become formally a cultural district, which right. we now are. Yes. And you're nice one of the... work on that, by the way. <laughs> It was a collaborative effort, and it's happened. It's here. And then as we saw recently with the Cultural Festival, arts and culture certainly is alive here in so many ways. Absolutely. I think that the, there's there's so much happening in town. I think the attendance at the festival the other day was a, a great sign. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, we need to, um, you know, make sure that people understand how important it is to support all of the events that are here in town because it is easy to say oh let's go to providence or hey there's something happening in worcester not that you shouldn't do that of course of course you should but to make sure that you fully realize and understand all of the offerings in franklin and take advantage of Mm -hmm. them because um, that's what's needed to for us to keep it all going sure to support it Absolutely. Yeah, and while you based on ticket prices there, as you mentioned, there's business opportunities for sponsors in a variety of ways, either in-kind or financially, um, and with the subscription prices as well. So you got some opportunities. Family matinee on Saturday afternoons. There, we're, we're getting ready to announce some fun things for um add-ons, t- sort of ticket add-ons for, for children and families on the Saturday afternoon matinees of shows and, and hoping that that might inspire some people to come out as a family activity. Mm-hmm. The other piece I was getting to is I know from some of the development that whether on an ad hoc group or through downtown partnership, I'm trying to remember exactly how it happened, but there were also uh, progressive dinners where Restaurants would have one me- one part of a meal they would progress through and then end up potentially at the black box mm-hmm. for some sort of cap night performance, et cetera. Right. But you do that to a certain extent with some cross-referencing or uh, ticket meals from different places that uh, can provide a benefit. So obviously the restaurant gets the clientele and then you get right. the show and they have an, an evening together. We have a restaurant guide that allows restaurants to um, advertise with us and uh, be be on the ticket platform so that when people go to buy a ticket, they can see what restaurants are available in town. And then with that, we hope that by showing their black box ticket, uh, the restaurant will offer something, some kind of discount mm-hmm. or 
um, an appetizer or whatever they whatever they choose. Sure. Um, but certainly, it's important for our businesses to realize that I, my my favorite um, stat to to quote is uh, when we did Newsies um, a number of years ago. It was our first show with an equity contract and. Uh, Christopher Rice Thompson played Jack Kelly in our production of Newsies. But we sold um, tickets to people from 187 towns and 11 states right. to see Newsies. That's so I love to. Rather impressive. 187 towns. And for the f- f- uh, Franklinites and Massachusetts folks, there's 351. So clearly they weren't even off from Mass. There was, there was a spread, I'm sure, from whether New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Connecticut, right, whatever. All the England states, New York, and our. our Guest artists we find when they come in um, will bring New Yorkers to, to and others from other states from New sure. York State and yeah. uh, we've had some you know we've had p- people travel from Florida to mm-hmm. be able to see uh, one of their favorite Broadway people up close and so back to our our opportunity at the mm-hmm. Black Box to present these incredible people um, in a in a very um, intimate setting and sure. to, to stand a chance of saying hello and having a picture taken is is a pretty exciting part of it. And uh, what we as an organization are so happy about is that our network of New York people is just growing. And I'd love to say that that there's some sort of special sauce here in Franklin. And it I attribute it to everybody. I attribute it mm-hmm. to the people they meet when they walk around town and have a snack or or just just take a break when they come here from the city mm-hmm. it's uh, it's an easy trip from new york on the train to, yep. you know to, to providence and we pick them up and bring them in we have uh, some families who host them so they get a little time away from the grind and right. come to uh, franklin and have a place where they can enjoy just being, go to the common, go to the library, just mm-hmm. enjoy what can be seen here in town. There are people who really appreciate them. We take very good care of them. We feed them very well. <laughs> um, and we give them the opportunity to um, work with young artists. And we're proud of the, the students at FSPA um, are trained to the point where they are really fun to work with. When professionals come in and have a chance to do a master class with these students, they love it as much as the kids love working Mm -hmm. with them. And that formula seems to be working very nicely for us. And we have people who come and their parting words inevitably are, call me if I'm not booked somewhere else, I'll be there. Mm -hmm. And that is working and I call and they come back and if they're booked I try them the next time and they come Mm -hmm. so we have something truly unique to offer I I don't think I can't think of another place you know in the city it would be a much more you know contractual relationship yes you can see that Broadway star in that show right but here um, they come in and assimilate in the community for three weeks, mm-hmm. and they truly love it as much as we enjoy hosting them. So sure. it, it's it's pretty cool yeah. and an exciting thing to move forward with. Right. And it all starts really going back to the school um, and in just not just the uh, 
regular curricular classes, but that stagecraft as well. So that I think is part of the, the whether it's the top artists coming in, the students are now able to talk some of the similar language because they'll understand, well, what's stage left, stage right, and some of the direction terms, et cetera. And they're into that. So that makes it much easier to have that connection. Sure. The students are the ones that are fully involved and, and really hoping to perhaps um, take this with them to college and perhaps pursue a career are really at a fantastic level um, for a master class setting. And when the teachers come in, they they respond for sure. They mm-hmm. respond to that preparation. Which right. Is- and yet there's also those who just want to, whether it's Glee Club or just want to sing on a regular basis, Absolutely. there's still opportunity for them to continue to grow in their skill level for whatever they desire, wherever they want to go, and there's opportunity there. Right. We have a lot of students, probably the highest percentage of our students are are at FSPA for fun, for recreation, Mm -hmm. as their extracurricular activity. Um, We have kids who are really involved in sports, but they love to play guitar, or they, um, you know, are academically driven so that they are not willing to fit a full curriculum of mm-hmm. other things into their lives, but they enjoy acting class. Sure. So there's there's absolutely um, an opportunity to be involved on whatever level a student or family chooses to be, um, and that that's great because that that creates the community that I think be, that's shared between FSPA and the Frank Performing Arts Company at the Black Box. Uh, there's a there's an expectation in that community that um, we are very supportive of one another, respectful, kind. The K word is a big one mm-hmm. for us. And we teach it. We try to um, set examples. Um, there's not a lot of yelling and screaming. And, sh- mm-hmm. you know, there's no, that's not how we direct. That's right. not how we operate. And we teach our students um, that that that's how they need to operate too. So I think we provide a wonderful um, alternative social setting for the kids that, you know, oftentimes they have uh, challenges navigating their their social life. Mm-hmm. I think we all know that. And <clears throat> Especially these days, it's oh my goodness. post-pandemic, we're still finding that new normal, but right. social media is certainly an impact. While it's beneficial, it has its drawbacks, <laughs> right. if not horrors. So, um, yeah, providing that wholeness to the student, the performer, the person. Right. It's the, yeah, it's, it's the both. And right. I think in a in an environment that teaches kids to express themselves and to, you know, get their get their thoughts presented in music or in a scene or in the dance studio, mm-hmm. it's also a place where um, I draw a really a really hard line in terms of this is how this community, this is how this environment um, operates. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of interaction with. Uh, parents and kids. Sure. Uh, parents are welcome um, when we travel. Parents are welcome in the building. It's not a matter of um, talk to the hand mom. You know. <laughs> and it's interesting when we see new students come in because I think that's how they are used to operating. But once they get in the door at 38 Main or they become part of an FPAC show, they see, oh, wow, okay, we can do things 
with our parents, with our siblings. Right. And hey, the other kids here um, are nice to me. That, mm-hmm. That's a, that's a beautiful scenario, I yeah. think, and it's something that we strive for. And it's not easy always because, you know, kids are kids. They don't sure. walk in the door with with halos over their heads. They need examples. They need mentorship. Mm-hmm. They need peer leadership, and those are things that I think our our environment teaches and provides. Mm-hmm. And one other aspect to pick on, it reminds me that you mentioned dance. Certainly there are as many kinds of dance, but I think even within what you've done, you've also kind of spun out. Now you've got the ballet as a separate uh, website to we do. foster what you're doing in that space. Again, as a differentiator, ref- reference to you know other dance studios, if you will, you do provide just a little bit different. Right. And that speaks to the variety of levels that can be experienced at FSPA. I think that sometimes it's um, misunderstood that it's only for serious conservatory-bound musicians or only for serious dance students. We do offer that training, and we have a phenomenal ballet director who has created a ballet conservatory, and we have now named that Ballet Franklin. Mm -hmm. Um, But those are young people who are uh, studying ballet only, um, at least, you know, young ones, two or three days a week. The older students are in the studio five, six, sometimes seven days a week, ballet only. They may study other disciplines, but that focus on ballet right. is really strong. We also offer two other tracks of ballet that we're gonna, are going to be more similar to something you might experience at another studio. Our standard track is a two-day-a-week commitment without point work. So these are students that are not necessarily looking to become ballet dancers, but we feel that ballet is a fabulous foundation for whatever you do. You become a better actor. Physical movement. Exactly. <clears throat> Never mind just the exercise aspects of it. You're absolutely right. We should all be in ballet class, Steve, every day. <laughs> be, or at least once a week, we'd be so much better off. But we, And we have a recreational track for kids who want to take one day a week. And along with that, all the other disciplines from commercial dance, which is code for hip-hop, um, jazz, tap, and contemporary disciplines are all um, available to our students. Yeah, there's a breadth of, of opportunity there, I think is probably the best way to say it. <laughs> sure, sure. It's what, whatever you'd like to do in the arts, come talk to us about it and we can, we can figure it out. Yeah, sounds good. Well, this has been a nice capture, if you will, of starting with the school and then some of the organic growth. I think there's still other areas that, respectfully for the listeners' time and your time today, we can come back to cover some of those. I'd love to do that. Well, thank you again for doing this. I've learned a lot, (laughs) and I hope the listeners have. And for the listeners, a quick reminder, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. 
The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.